Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Good morning, church. My name is Melissa, and I'm going to read the scripture for today. It's Hebrews whoa. Uh, Hebrews 10, and I'm going to read from verse 1 through 25. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of the sins. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins." Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, Sacrifices and burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them though they were offered in, a, in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sin and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where, the, where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here in, our, in your house, God. 
Thank you for reminding us through the scripture that we no longer have to make sacrifices of animals. You sacrificed for us. You hung on that cross with each one of our names on your lips. And we thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through Kyle today, that you would just fill him with your Holy Spirit, open hearts, open ears, and just let his, your words flow through him. Let his words not be his. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> if it were an Olympic sport scaring my mom, <clears throat> I would have won a gold medal. And it would be the only gold medal I would qualify for. What's up, church? Good morning. Man, usually, like, you have to do that twice. So I just want to commend you that I did not have to spur you along twice. Like, give yourself a pat on the back. That is good. Um, yeah, my name is Kyle, and um, I know I've gotten the chance to briefly meet or see most, if not all of you. Now I'm seeing all of you, so, and you're seeing me. I formally want to apologize for that. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, it's your honor to look at my beautiful face. Um, I, I am the new youth pastor here, and I'm grateful to be here. I'm going to kind of tell you guys a little bit about how that came to be. But before we do anything, I think it to be the best that we just come before the Lord together. Sound good? Cool. Would you bow your heads in prayer one more time? We can't pray too much, right? There's not, there's not a too much on that? All right. I didn't think so. If you would have said yes, that would have been the wrong answer. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your mercies that have been made new this morning. Thank you for your spirit that is living and active, for your word that is living and active. God, that you have a desire to see each person in this room be drawn closer to you, Jesus. And so, God, this morning we, we come together collectively and we continue to lift high the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, the one who has indeed taken our sins once and for all, put them to death. They have been paid, God. There, there no longer is a ransom on our head. There no longer is a debt that is owed. It is paid in full by the blood of Jesus. And for that, we say thank you, God. And we give you this time, Lord, and we ask that you would speak, that you would move in our hearts, God, that your word would do exactly what it does, God, and it would, it would cut through bone and marrow and uh, help us to be more like you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, yeah, if you've got your Bibles, you can stay open to Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll get there in a minute. Um, in the meantime, I kind of want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, if you haven't been able to tell already, I'm not from Tennessee, uh, I wish I was, but I'm not. I'm going to tell you where I'm from, and I'm going to ask that you don't throw your shoes at me. I'm from California, and uh, I know I got some California people here. Um, yeah, I didn't come here to ruin your state, I promise. <laughs> I know us California people get a reputation for that, <laughs> um, but I didn't come here to do that. I'm grateful to be here. Uh, God had really started moving on our family's heart. Uh, towards the end of 2019, that we were going to go somewhere. We didn't really know where. Uh, the Lord confirmed that in my heart in uh, March of 2020, right before the world ended or something like that. And uh, in that process, um, through that process, uh, God just sort of opened doors and closed doors. And um, we spent Christmas morning of 2021 um, sort of with our house all packed up and in a trailer. We spent Christmas morning at like my mom's house 
Uh, we all decided that uh, the, only the kids are getting presents because we're not packing them. The car is already packed, and we left the day, the morning after, and started driving across the country and got to Kingsport on January 1st. So that's pretty cool. And we've been here uh, ever since. And we didn't really know why God had brought us out here. We certainly didn't know that this church even existed. We just knew that God was calling us to something new. Um, and so we sat and waited and uh, kind of with our hands open for uh, about four or five months before the Lord brought us uh, to grace. And um, we said that we left and we we're like, that's home. Uh, that's home for us. And so we're just grateful to be here. We're grateful to be part of this church. And um, so the fact that we've called it home means you have to put up with me. So <clears throat> maybe there is a little blood we can sprinkle for you. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm really honored to be on this team. I'll tell you just a couple things, though. Um, I'm honored to be part of a church that the leadership wholeheartedly seeks Jesus for. Um, I'm honored to be part of a church that holds to biblical truth. I was just sharing with Joel on Tuesday. I said, hey, man, thanks for just leading this in a biblical direction. And I feel like I shouldn't have to thank the pastor for doing that. But in today's day and age, it's just rarer than it should be, unfortunately. And so I'm grateful to be part of that. I'm grateful to be part of a church that is trying to be obedient to Scripture. Um, I'll tell you, you don't really just want to follow people because they're easy to follow or because they're charismatic. You want to follow people whose hearts uh, are obviously bent to Jesus and are led by Jesus. And um, that was why we left that day and said, yeah, this is where we're staying. (laughs) We had had a hard time finding that and are grateful to have found that. So about myself, I have a background, I guess, in youth ministry. Um, I had was a youth pastor for about four years and God called us to plant a church and we were there for about three years before God called us out here. So somewhere in the ballpark of seven, eight years and I'm not really good with time frames. So it could be more, it could be less. I'm not really sure about that and I'm not willing to sit down and do the math to figure it out. I like Joel, I hate math. So that's why we're great, great friends now. Um, so I will say that I believe um, that it's time for the empowerment of young people um, I think that the field is wipe, or white and ripe, ready for harvest, and wipe. That doesn't make sense. Um, I believe that the field is white and ready for harvest, and I think that uh, students um, are ready, more ready now, to stand for truth, to stand for righteousness, and usher in a revival, and I just believe it's time for that. So I'm excited to be able to be doing youth ministry um, Personally, I had a youth pastor who invested in me, and I, had, I was, um, I guess you could say, like a bad kid who was just getting kicked out of school, and, and my mom had her own seat in the principal's office, and um, it, then we moved schools, and she got a new seat in the new principal's office. It just, it, it, there was some reoccurring patterns and themes in my life, and um, God sent a youth pastor to our little small mountain town in California, and... Um, he sent a youth pastor, and uh, at the time, I thought, this guy wants to be my friend, and he's an adult, and that's weird. I was told that this is not acceptable, um, but he took me out to lunch one day. Apparently, he did not ask me. He asked my parents, and he's like, we're going to lunch, and I said, I know I was prepared for this situation. No, thank you, stranger danger, and he's like, no, I already asked your parents. I confirmed with my parents, and they said, yeah, you are definitely going to lunch with this guy, and I was like, this is not okay. <laughs> 
And uh, from that point on, um, his name's Josh, and he just began to invest in my life and pour into my life. And um, I, I, I'm here because of Jesus, first and foremost, and because of the work he's done on the cross and, and the work his spirit has done in my heart. Thank you, God, because I'm a wretch. But I'm also here because some faithful people were patient with me. <laughs> they invested in me and poured into me. And so that pastor of mine left the church uh, um, my se- right before my senior year to go plant a church a couple hours away. And I was kind of left my senior year feeling like, like a spiritual orphan. I didn't really know what to do. I didn't, you know, the guy who I had been attached to for so long had gone, and, and I was so sad. So um, I, I sort of dr- started to really drift from Jesus. And I tell you what I did is I bought the lie that is sold to teenagers that says, if you do not go to college, you will not be successful. I, what I did is I, I exchanged what I knew to be successful, and I, and, I, and I bought what the world says, you need this to be successful. And I said, yeah, that, I believe that now. And so I, I believed that, that lie, and I went to college, and I just got so far from Jesus. I just started seeking myself and doing in college what you're supposed to do in college and all of those things, until one day I was set, I was in a junior college because... I didn't like math or school, so I was doing that route, and um, I was set to transfer to my dream school, which was Washington State. I was going to go up to the Pacific Northwest and probably wear a beanie and be a hippie or something. I don't know. Thank you, God. Uh, <laughs> and so I, um, I had gotten a, le- or I gotten a phone call on a Friday morning that said, hey, congratulations, you got accepted to uh, Washington State. And I thought, wow, that's fantastic. That's where I'm going. Well, that Friday night, I had been invited to a men's retreat with my old youth pastor's church. And I didn't want to go because there was some party somewhere else, but I went. And that Friday night, the pastor who was speaking, his name's Pastor D, and he's one of the most amazing godly men. There really are three men that God have used to just, at times, like, just beat me <laughs> when it was necessary. And Pastor D is one of those guys. Pastor Josh was one of those guys. Pastor D is one of those guys. And I'll introduce you to the third guy in a second. And Pastor D stood up, and I remember, I'll try and be brief about this. He, he stood up, and he said, I want you to picture the thing that you're worshiping and that you're idolizing. And, and I pictured a little nice rolled-up piece of parchment scroll for my college diploma. And he said, I want you to picture that thing sitting on your bed and you kneeling down and praying to it. And as I pictured myself praying to a little rolled up piece of paper with a ribbon around it, I just started to ugly cry, you know, with like the snot and the tears. And I'm sitting next to my dad who looks like what I imagine Esau to have looked like. And um, he's like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) You look like your face broke, you know, it's leaking all over. And I'm like, nothing's wrong, man, I'm all good. And uh, I felt God say right then, I have something for you if you're willing to let that go. So I packed up my stuff, went down on a Monday, and moved to the desert of California, where it gets like 120 degrees. It's like, I I would say forsaken if I didn't know better theology, but it's as close to forsaken as it's going to get on this side of eternity. Um, And I moved to the desert and just started serving Jesus. I, I went to that, my old youth pastor, and I said, this is your fault. You invited me to that stinking men's retreat, so this is your problem. You figure out what to do with me. I had no job. I had like $2,000 saved up, and he took me over to a men's um, like discipleship rehabilitation home, which was not something I had ever been accustomed to. I had never done drugs, and he took me to this place, 
And he's like, hey, can he stay here? And this man named Monty, Pastor Monty, said, yeah, absolutely, he could stay here for $100 a month, which was just not reasonable. And I began sharing a room with a variety of different people. For, for two years, God had me there. And these three men just surrounded me and began to pour into me, to correct me, to encourage me, to instruct me, to, you know, like I said, just maybe punch me up a little bit when I needed it. And they, they, they um, helped me establish a pattern of just saying yes to Jesus. It just was a, a pattern that, 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 that these men, really the Holy Spirit had just walked me on of saying yes to Jesus. And that's really kind of the crux of what I want to talk to you guys about this morning is saying yes to Jesus. When I, when I talk about saying yes to Jesus, you might be like, well, saying yes to Jesus, I don't exactly know what that means. Or if I do say yes to Jesus, what exactly am I bargaining for? Yes to what? Yes to the man? Sure, I'm fine with the man. But what does it mean to say yes to Jesus? And I will say that ultimately, when you say yes to Jesus, ultimately, God only knows. Like your life and your plans, when you say yes to Jesus, you're really sliding all of the contents of your life across the table. And however that turns out is however that turns out. And that sounds kind of scary, huh? Like, um, that's, you know, Jesus is like, why don't you just go ahead and give me your future? And I'm saying up here, just goofy old chubby guy, like, you just say yes to Jesus about your whole future. And absolutely I'm saying that. Slide the, slide the chips across the table saying yes to Jesus. But today, what does that look like? Because ultimately, we know that that would mean eternity with Jesus. That would mean what Jesus says in John chapter 10 is a life and a life that is more abundant, right? He, he, that's what he's offering in the ultimate sense. But today, it looks like you saying yes to Jesus in something simple and something practical. I'm not God, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but I believe God is going to speak to each of our hearts today and give us something to say yes to. Because God has a desire to move us forward and constantly make us more like him. Amen? So what does saying yes to God mean? If you're taking notes this morning, I got some points for you. Saying yes to God is capitalizing on preordained opportunities of all shapes and of all sizes with the intent of glorifying God. Saying yes to God is to have the eyeballs and the mindset to say that I'm going to now maneuver this life and I'm going to do it in such a way that I hope that everything about it glorifies God. I want my life to be a shining image of of Jesus. And when people look at me, I can say, no, it's about him, right? Like this is ultimately what the idea is, but it starts, that's the macro and the micro. It's just what is the moment right now that God would have me say yes to, to glorify him? Let me give you some examples. It could be, and like, these are simple things for the most part. It could be saying yes to things like reading your Bible, And like, I see some heads go down, you know, like, oh, why'd you have to go there? Because it's simple. I'll tell you, I struggle with it every day. I'm like, ah, I have to take time for this. Absolutely, I want to take time for it, right? Like, I'm going to say yes to that. Now, do I say yes to it every day? Truthfully, no, I don't. But I should. I want to. You could be saying yes to things like leading your family in a biblical direction, 
saying yes to a ministry opportunity. It could be saying yes to actually just working job or working hard at your job or working hard at school and so that you are an example to those around you. It could be uh, saying yes to loving your neighbor or loving the people around you. I mean, like what God is asking you to say yes to are a bunch of small, simple things today. Here's kind of the thing that I want you to to grasp as we dive into this. And again, if you're taking notes, write this down. Saying yes to Jesus today is the start of a life filled with the fruit of faithfulness. Everyone say faithfulness. 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 It's something that you and I should desire and long for. Faithfulness. We'll get into that. Saying yes to Jesus today starts a life filled with the fruit of faithfulness. And you might ask yourself, well, why is that important? Like, why, why should I say yes? And I'm so glad you asked. Thank you for asking that question. Uh, look, at me, uh, look with me this morning at the scripture we have in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 19. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Everyone say blood of Jesus. So good. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Everyone say sincere heart. And with the full assurance that faith brings. Full assurance. We'll stop there for a sec. The full assurance that faith brings. Remember the scripture we read. This is, this is kind of the tail end of the scripture we read this morning. But it's the full assurance and understanding that God has paid for yours and my debt of sin in full. And the full assurance that, the, that faith brings. It says, by new, uh, verse 20, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain of his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. We read that uh, God has done this exciting thing, right? This exciting thing called, that we call the gospel. It's something that we're familiar with in church. If you've been in church for any number of days, if you've been in this church for any number of days or any number of weeks, you've heard the gospel. It's, it, this idea of the gospel is, is God's endeavor to redeem mankind through, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? It's, it's Jesus paying the price and being our substitutionary death um, uh, for us to make us righteous. And so here we find ourselves in, in verses 19 through 22, and he sort of starts to round the corner like he starts in 118 and he's like, dude, we used to have sacrifices, man. Now, he, this isn't really what it says. Obviously, I'm from California. Deal with it. Everything in California is dude. I don't know how to fix that about myself. Every man, woman, and child is dude. Is it disrespectful? Probably. It doesn't even register that it's coming out of my lips. But I'm just going to say, I say dude a lot. You'll forgive me because you're Christians, right? Right. Thank you. Okay. So he says, dude, 
We used to have to give sacrifices every year. Every year we would have to do this. We'd have to go into the temple and there'd be burnt offerings and burnt sacrifices and grain offerings and these, all these things that we ceremoniously had to achieve in order to make ourselves clean before God for just one second. And then we would go back for another year and do it again. It didn't make them clean for the whole year because a second after it happened, the, the condition of their heart was still wicked. It still was unredeemed. And so they still, had not had a final payment for their sin. It's not that the whole year they're like, I guess I'm sinless. It was that it covered the sin for the year. They do it again next year at Passover, right? Like this whole, this whole gigantic festival that they would have of slaughtering goats and slaughtering lambs. It was a big deal. And the writer of Hebrews here is excited to tell you that that process, that arduous process that they had to continue to revisit is over. It's over because Jesus has paid for our sins once and for all. Thank you, God. And so he says here in 1922, he turns the corner and he's going to kind of give us something to do with that information. He's going to put something in your hands that you now can take the ball and run with it. We're asking the question, like, why? Why should, why, why should I say yes to Jesus? And it all kind of hinges there when he says since this idea, I think it's in verse 19, he says, or I'm sorry, da, 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 yeah. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, he's saying, because we have confidence to now approach God the Father, the holy, righteous, without sin, spoke all creation into existence, holds the universe in the span of his hand, God, because we have the confidence to approach him because of Jesus, because of that, he says, because he has bridged this gap on his own. He did not need your help. He did not need my help. He did not need my assistance because God has done this. It's Jesus alone who has secured this hope. It's, it's him alone because of this. Now there is something that, that, God is, uh, that the writer of Hebrews through, through the Holy Spirit is going to give you and place in your hands. Again, write this down. If you're taking notes, Jesus has purchased your life from a place of guilt and has given you a place in freedom. Jesus has purchased your life and because of this, like this is the big idea, because this happened, because Jesus paid for your life and purchased you from a place of guilt and has given you a place in freedom, if this is the idea that, 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 um, that is happening here, if this is the big idea, it's the same idea that Paul, when he writes a letter to the church in Galatia and he says, I have, um, I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, it's the same idea that like he has purchased me it's 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 not even my life it's not even I who live it's Christ who lives in me Paul again writes a letter to the church in Corinth and he he tells them hey you have been bought the body you have is not even your own oftentimes we would think oh man it's my life what do I want to do what do I want to do that's the conversation I'm having with so many teenagers right especially the upperclassmen hey, what are you going to do? And they're like, well, I really want to be A, B, and C. 
So in order to do A, B, and C, I'm going to have to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to have to go to this school, take these classes. And, here, and, and, and we've built it in at a young age, and, and, and we haven't really built it in at a young age the correct way, because if we, the church, are building it into our children, it's not, what do you want with your life? Because it is not your life. If indeed... You have done what these people are going to do this morning, which is give themselves over to Jesus to say, I am dead. It is Christ who lives in me. If indeed we have done that, family, it is not your life. And if that's the case, when we talk about this idea of being faithful, which is really kind of the idea of it all, then we need to understand that the source of being faithful, the one who gives us the ability to walk in faith, the one who gives us the ability to continually say yes to Jesus, is the one who was faithful himself. Why does the writer of Hebrews, we don't really know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but why does the writer of Hebrews first give us an extensive look at the gospel and how it compares to the law and how it's been paid once and for all so that you can see the faithfulness of God before he talks about your part in it? If we were to jump straight to your part, then you may get the idea of what you could do for God and how pleasing your life can be to God so that he can slap you on the back and say, way to go, buddy, you done good. I'm really proud you earned your salvation. But it's not that. You couldn't earn your way to God. Not if you tried. I don't care how moral you are. I don't care if you don't smoke, don't chew, or go with girls who do. It doesn't matter. You could never be good enough to earn the grace of God. It had to be purchased by Jesus and given, unto, given to you by him. So if indeed you have been bought, I say if because I don't know everyone here and I don't know your story and I don't know if you have given your life to Jesus. I don't know if you have accepted the gift that God is giving through his son Jesus, the gift of grace, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of unity with God, the gift of whole, uh, uh, being whole again. I don't know if you've accepted that gift, and I, I do want to invite you into. That is a gift that God wants to give you. If you haven't done that, uh, come talk to me. I, come talk to Joel. Come talk to somebody. Come talk to anybody uh, uh, on, on the team or, I don't know, just pick, pick a random person. Pick someone that looks friendly and, and, and just ask, what does it mean for me to say yes to Jesus? What does it mean for me to, to, to have been bought by him? But if you have been bought, then there is no doubt that God is going to call you to an active place in this life with him. There's no doubt that God's going to call you into active participation in this relationship. There's a 0% chance. Everyone say zero. There's a 0% chance that the precious blood of Jesus was spilled so that our life can begin and end with our butts in a church seat. There's a 0% chance that this moment is what Jesus died for. There's a 0% chance that this moment is what God is calling you to. Is this good? Absolutely. We see it in the text, right? Don't forsake meeting together. There is something that happens when a whole room of people are crying out to Jesus in worship. There's a reason I sit in the front, and I know I'm kind of just goofy and wiggly noodle arms, but there's a reason I sit in the front. is because I love to hear a room full of people crying out to Jesus. 
When you sit in the front, you get to hear all of you guys singing off key and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And I get to join in that off key harmony and it's a sweet aroma that's rising to God. This is great, but this is not the end of what God is calling you to in this life. And even as we see our own culture drift farther and farther and farther from biblical values, from from moral values, I have news for you, Christian. You are enlisted to incite change. You are enlisted to not sit passively and allow what's happening to happen, but instead to swim upstream, to live right, to, to follow God, to love those around you. I'm not talking about like picking up arms and fighting somebody. I'm talking about loving Jesus in such a way where the first thing people recognize about you is that you're different because of the spirit inside of you. This process looks like, number one, you recognize what God has done for you. You recognize the gospel. Number two is you allow God's faithfulness, the faithfulness that is the story of the gospel, to prompt you to be faithful to God. God, you've been faithful to me. I want to be faithful to you. Not to earn your love, but because of your love. And number three, it's taking a step into obedience. So God, you're asking me to do that. I recognize what you've done for me. I'm going to take a step today, and I'm just going to be obedient. And then the fourth thing is to continue to take steps as you move forward with Jesus. Because God is calling you, church, into faithfulness. God is calling you, individual, corporate body, into faithfulness. Again, write this down. Faithfulness is long obedience in the same direction. You're not just going to find one way to be faithful today and like check that off your list and be like, whew, it's been a good life. No, to be faithful to God may start today but it will continue for the rest of your life. And I have good news about how that's going to look. Read with me as we continue in verse 23. He says this. I can look down here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. I have bad eyes. I gotta hold my face all close to the page. Oh, sweet, it's up here. Hallelujah. He said, let us hold unswervingly. Everyone say unswervingly. Unswervingly. That maybe is the coolest synonym that could have been chosen for the word faithful. Faithfully, let us hold faithfully. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Do not give in to the pressures that be, whether they be from this side or from this side. Don't swerve. Don't swerve from the pressures of life that come, maybe from responsibility or things. Hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We hold unswervingly to the hope that Jesus has gone ahead, that he is the anchor behind the curtain, as Hebrews says, that he is the one who has torn the veil and given us access to the throne room of God. We hold unswervingly to that hope because sometimes that hope is all we have. Sometimes we can look out at the world and be like, it is dark, it's horrible, we're going to lose, it's a losing battle, who cares? And you can hope for a red wave or a blue wave or a whatever because the world, ah! But listen, Jesus wins. Yeah, we're on the winning team. It doesn't matter. So we, can, we don't hold to any other hope than the hope that is Jesus, that he who promised is faithful. 
And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It's true today, and it was obviously true then, right? This is important. The body of Christ is important. Fellowship is important. Your community is important. You heard it last week. You've heard it basically. I've been here since the week after Easter, and I've heard it every week since. You have been designed to be in community. You have not been designed to be living in a silo, living your life with Jesus alone. If you are doing that, let me tell you something. You're being ripped off. You're getting a less than version of the life that God has designed for a Christian. He says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Unswervingly holding to the faith. God is calling you to a hope that you can hang on to. Hebrews talks about there being an anchor. You know what an anchor does is it doesn't allow you to move with the storm. It keeps you where you're at. And the wind and the waves are still going to come. They're still going to beat against the boat, but you're not going to drift a mile that way or a mile that way because you're anchored down. Let me close with this. I want to reread this text with you, and I want to I put um, an emphasis on a point. You might have caught it. Let me, let me give you the emphasis again. It might be highlighted here on the screen. It says, therefore, and when they're highlighted, why don't you go ahead and read them with me. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence in the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for through the curtain that is the body and since have a great priest over the house of God, let draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having hearts sprinkled to cleanse from a guilty conscience and having bodies washed with the pure water, let hold unswervingly to the hope, profess for he who promised is faithful and let consider how may spur on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging all the more as you see the day approaching. You guys see an emphasis there when we, when we really start to highlight it? This letter was written to a group of believers. This letter today is being spoken to and opened up to a group of believers. You are not an individual in the body of Christ because you alone are not the body of Christ. You have been called into something more. You have been called to be part. Everyone say part part of the body of Christ, which means it takes your service. It takes your time. It takes your fellowship. It'll take your input. It'll take your community. It'll take your finances. It'll take your effort. It'll take your relational strain. It'll take all of that. And it'll, it'll, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of that is going to make for a healthy body that God has called you into. Yes, Jesus has redeemed you, but he has called you into us, into the body, into the church. Because he was faithful to redeem us, then together we can devote our lives faithfully to him. God, we are going to follow you. 
I'm going to call MK up as we kind of close this out. And I just want to end by encouraging you with this. Faithfulness is not something that you have to muster up on your own. As you hear this and as you read this and you're like, okay, yeah, I guess I'm supposed to be faithful. What does that mean? Well, I mean, practically, go sign up for a life group and get involved in somebody else's life and let other people get involved in your life. What does it mean? I don't know. Say yes to children's ministry or greeting or ushering or something. Like, say yes to something. And I guarantee that if in 15 years, the only thing you're doing for Jesus is shaking hands at the door at church, that's probably not what God calls you to. It's the step today, family. God is always going to call you deeper and deeper and farther and in a greater capacity. And as you say yes to something today, he'll say yes to something tomorrow for you. Allow God to open those doors for you, church. Lastly, I want to close with Galatians chapter 5. You've heard this verse a million gazillion times. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 say this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness. What is that word, church? Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. What God is calling you into, he will empower you to be able to walk. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.